It's Tuesday, July the 11th, and this is an extra episode of the Dutch News Podcast with me, Gordon Darach, Dutch News Contributing Editor and Bicycle Key Abuser, and Paul Peters, Master Student in Civil Engineering and Party Political Broadcast Enthusiast. Last Friday, we signed off the podcast for the summer by predicting that Mark Rutte's threat to pull the plug on the cabinet if the parties couldn't agree on migration was an act of political theatre. There was simply no way that a prime minister with 13 years' experience would lead a mutiny against his own government and leave his colleagues in the lurch. But 10 hours is a long time in politics, and by sundown, Rutte had called a press conference to announce there was no deal, and he'd be tending his cabinet's resignation to the king in the morning. Leaving most of the media looking distinctly wrong-footed, particularly those people who'd threatened mild violence against Rutte if he had the temerity to break up his team right at the start of the summer holidays. Yes, this this came completely out of the blue, uh, wasn't it? Um, I also stopped watching the uh, Door livestream uh, many hours before because uh, I think on Friday when uh, all the ministers arrived to discuss the, the immigration plans, uh, there was an atmosphere of, uh, we're going to work this out, we're finding a compromise, uh, the, the, the new proposal that's on the table um, uh, is acceptable for everyone. And everyone just thought, ah, oh, this, this was just another political crisis that uh, is resolved by Mark Rutte and his flexibility. But then, um, yeah, completely unexpected and completely out of the blue, uh, this announcement came on Friday. Yeah, definitely. And that was the thing, wasn't it? That there'd been, they seemed to be at breaking point on Wednesday, and you saw lots of very angry faces on Thursday morning, particularly the Chris Anuni saying that Rutte had gone too far and he crossed red lines. And then on Friday, they all kind of reeled back from that and said uh, it looked as if uh, they got over their differences and they were working towards a deal. And then for it to happen so suddenly, I think Rutte gives his weekly press conference at three o'clock on Friday. Um, and apparently, according to the reconstructions, uh, almost as soon as he'd finished, uh, he got a call uh, to say, uh, from the Christianunis to say they couldn't go any further. That was five o'clock. And um, around about eight o'clock, I think, uh, just as we were uh, all um, going out on our evening walks or whatever, uh, he was uh, calling a press conference to say his government had collapsed. Yeah, it was in the middle of the eight o'clock news, uh, the uh, the NOS uh, journal, yeah. and um, y- you just noticed that they didn't expect anything of this uh, as well because it was complete chaos in the yeah. news broadcast. Let's go to one journalist and then to the other, and no one was was sure what was going. And someone, one journalist, just said, "Oh, I heard in my ear that we have a source who say the cabinet has fallen." Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was uh, pandemonium after that. And but it turned out to be real. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, as, I s- as, as I said, completely unexpected by anyone. Um, immediately, uh, there were, I think, um, theories coming up that this might have been a calculated, uh, uh, th- this, this must have been calculated by Rutte. He wanted the cabinet to fall because this was an opportune moment to have new elections yeah. and to uh, 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 you know, form a new cabinet that is more favorable for uh, or, or more acceptable for the VVD uh, members. Um, so it there was immediately assumed that this was a Machiavellian plot by Mark Rutte that he uh, uh, purposefully uh, uh, brought this 
uh, alternative plan uh, to the table that was unacceptable for both ChristenUnie and D66. So the, the cabin must fall over that. Yeah. And then, um, uh, he already set the tone uh, for the campaign because the cabinet has fallen on immigration. That is uh, an, an, an important theme for the VVD party. Uh, that is immediately the, the main um, topic of the of the election campaign. So, you know, everything is sorted out. The main competitor of the VVD is right now the Baby Bay, who doesn't have a clear standpoint yeah. on migration. So th- there were immediately a lot of theories uh, popping up. Um, yeah, and most of these theories were, were, were that uh, Rutter was, uh, like you say, positioning himself for the c- upcoming election campaign and trying to get an advantage, and that Rutter would then try to build a new gap cabinet, probably with some parties further to the right, basically to ditch the centrist progressive parties in his cabinet coalition now and replace them with parties like the BBB, maybe even Yatin and Twintich. Uh, but of course, that all colla- uh, fell apart uh, because uh, two days later, Mark Rutter actually said he was uh, going to resign as prime minister once the uh, negotiations for the next cabinet had concluded so yeah, yeah. Uh, we, were, we were discussing surprise. yeah yeah we were discussing over the weekend we should have an, an extra episode because we announced that we were going to do that if the cabinet falls yeah. um, uh, do, when when do you have the time oh i can only do it on monday and i'm just glad that we didn't have the time during the weekend because you know this big surprise came on monday and otherwise we would have uh, uh, needed to make another, <laughs> We've had to extra another, episode. another episode yeah and i would have had exactly. to attack him again with the bicycle key which uh, yeah <laughs> Yeah, surprise people twice, you know. So yes, uh, because what happened was on Monday uh, the Tweede Kamer came back from their summer recess. They had a wonderful time uh, uh, for for three days uh, because uh, Rutte had to inform the Tweede Kamer uh, officially about the resignation of his of his cabinet, um, and then he surprised everyone on Monday, um, um, uh, saying that he wasn't going to uh, stand for re-election and that after the uh, after a new cabinet um, uh, is formed after the new elections which will happen in November which is quite a long time uh, we will come uh, uh, back to the reason of that uh, yeah. a, a little bit later uh, but after that he will leave politics and um, that's an end of an era that's also something no one expected I think uh, the, 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 a lot of people can't even imagine someone else being prime minister uh, uh, yeah, it's been so long ago, you know, I mean, say, 13 was, years, yeah, 13 years, you know, so the, uh, yeah, just after, he, yeah, he started as prime minister just after the, the, the Dutch football team had reached the World Cup final, it was it's that <laughs> yeah. long ago. Um, yes, indeed, <laughs> uh, and, 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 and just, just before the la- latest uh, uh, cricket match uh, started, I think, <laughs> exactly, yes. Yeah. Um, indeed, yeah, which is still going on, um, yeah. but I suppose we should explain very quickly exactly what the breaking point was for... Uh, the uh, for the four parties in uh, what's now the outgoing coalition as well. W- w- why did it come to a head so so quickly last week? Yes, we uh, discussed on Friday uh, what was on the table. The VVD wants uh, uh, to limit uh, immigration to the Netherlands. Um, Mark Rutte was under a lot of pressure, both from his own party. Uh, um, uh, he has repeatedly promised that before the summer there would be um, a plan on how this uh, this would have uh, would have been tackled. Um, so this was an artificial uh, deadline, uh, you could say. Um, 
So uh, in the past months, uh, there were negotiations in the cabinet. Uh, this has come to a heating point in uh, yeah, last week. Yeah. Actually, we were all so preoccupied with stickstuff, with the nitrogen uh, crisis, with the agriculture agreement that we uh, completely missed that there was another crisis going on. Yeah, that our, was, our eyes uh, are fixed on the wrong iceberg, basically. Yes, yeah. yes, indeed. Uh, there, was, uh, there was another crisis going on in, uh, in, in immigration. Um, so a lot of pressure. Um, Rutte really wanted uh, something to do uh, about that. Um, and um, last week, this has come to a heating point, as I said. And right. um, the Kistanuni, uh, yeah, who is much more um, immigration friendly, I could say, uh, as well as the Sester, they uh, rejected the proposals that came on the table. Uh, one of the proposals was that um, family reuni reunification uh, should be limited. And that means that people who come to the Netherlands, who uh, request asylum, um, uh, get a status, um, uh, uh, are only allowed to bring their family to the Netherlands after two years, and that is was something that was unacceptable uh, for the for the ChristenUnie. Mm. They said we do not want families of uh, war refugees be torn apart. Um, this is unacceptable for us. Um, what has come to the table on uh, Thursday was this uh, sort of pause button. Uh, option yeah, that was an emergency uh, break. I think it's uh, been an called an emergency break. Past, was what yeah. it was called. Yeah. Uh, this rule will also come into effect when uh, the immigration numbers reach a certain level, which is deemed too high, and that was something also that needed to be negotiated. Mm. What that number was, but that wouldn't apply to every um, uh, war refugee, um, th and this seemed to be uh, an acceptable uh, uh, option. Uh, alternative for the Kirsten on Thursday, but on Friday after uh, uh, the next meeting, and I think the Kirsten went back to their party members or the, the, the Tweede Kamer faction, yeah. uh, and they concluded, well, actually, this is not acceptable for us, and, and, and as you said, after the um, uh, after the uh, weekly press conference of Mark Rutte, he was informed that the Christian Union wouldn't. Uh, yeah, this option was was just not acceptable yeah. for for them. And on the other hand, it was unacceptable for the favor day that this option wouldn't be. Uh, yeah, would be set aside. So yeah, unbridgeable gap, and that meant that. Um, from from every reconstruction I read, um, they all decided in good harmony that. They couldn't go further with this uh, with this coalition. Yeah, that they'd really hit the buffers. Yeah, I think the distinction for me is that Desus uh, Zestig are a party who are broadly pro-migration. They like international connections. They're pro-European. They like open borders. I think for Chris and Uni, it focused much more narrowly on the issue of splitting up families. For that, yeah. for them, there was an unacceptable red line that refugees might come wherever people come from, whatever circumstances they arrive in. They say quickly. Uh, Miriam Bicker, I think, said on a, a news bulletin uh, on Thursday or Friday you know that children should always be raised within the family I think that was the absolute um, breaking point for them the idea that refugees would come to the Netherlands and then their families would be left behind in a war zone and their children would be raised you know um, by other family members of the community or whatever that was unacceptable yeah. Um, so yeah and um, 
Uh, and Rutte, on the other hand, I think was uh, under real pressure from within his own party because they'd said back at a party conference, uh, well, uh, at, at several party meetings going back to November, that they wanted this issue resolved. And Sophie Herman stood up on the stage at the um, at the spring conference and said that uh, you know uh, uh, Mark hurry up and the ministers shouldn't go on holiday until they'd resolved yep. this issue. And Rutte, I think, uh, was under that. So under pressure, so he's in a pincer movement. He was on the one side, he was under pressure from his own party uh, to get some kind of deal and make sure that the deal meant that migration numbers were limited. Otherwise, the Fefe Day were seriously talking about withdrawing their support from him as prime minister and from the uh, from the cabinet. And his coalition partners, on the other hand, had said already, we've already made concessions to you on uh, asylum seekers and family reunification. We're not prepared to go any further. So we're going to set this deadline uh, sometime last week of uh, either get a deal by Friday or I walk and there was it became apparent yeah, that was uh, an interesting thing yeah. uh, he, he said uh, on, on Wednesday um, we need he basically said an ultimatum we need to resolve this or we will vote on this proposal in the Council of Ministers yeah. on Friday and that is unprecedented that never happens and that basically means that if he would do that he has the power to do that as the Prime Minister yeah. um, um, it would mean that this proposal will pass because the majority of the ministers in the cabinet everyone has a you know their their, their vote weighs equal mm. um, but the majority is favor day and CDA and that would mean that this proposal will pass but that also means that if this is unacceptable for Christenuni and Deza's sister, uh, they would just step out of the coalition and the cabinet, and that would also mean that the cabinet will fall. So this was the nuclear option, yeah. which Rutte said, uh, "We, I want this to happen, and if it doesn't, the cabinet will fall. The next day, the talks resumed, uh, apparently because there was still some sort of uh, feeling that uh, they could resolve it. Mark Rutte apologized uh, for his behavior mm. the, the previous day uh, and that helped uh, to keep the talks going um, and to have this new uh, alternative on the table which uh, in the end uh, wasn't uh, wasn't acceptable for for the Christian Union um, but it, he was it showed that he was willing willing to to pull the plug out of his cabinet yeah uh, to 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 push this through yeah and we hadn't expected that of uh, Rutte. he's always um no. a, a seen as a, a absolute champion of consensus building and someone who's very good at it and who'd done deals with several parties on different points on the political spectrum throughout his career as prime minister and because this was so atypical yeah. of him it fueled the idea that this was a calculated move yeah. by by Rutte, right yes, yes. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, well, one of the theories was that Rutter was either he was going for a fifth cabinet term or that actually he was trying to jump a ship uh, so that he could go off to some kind of top international job at NATO or the European Union or something like that. Was, uh, those rumors are still flying around. Um, yeah. Uh, what do we make of those? Um it, it it seems like good timing of, of, uh, of Rutter if he re really wants to. Um, I think f from every person, you know, uh, there's a l always a lot of speculation about that. In the past 10 years, yeah. I, I hear speculations about that. And he hasn't um, uh, accepted a, a, a nice European job uh, ever, you know, in the in the meantime. Uh, it is widely ex accepted by his uh, friends that he isn't interested in these kind of jobs. But the timing seems interesting because NATO is uh, desperately looking for a new secretary general. Uh, Stoltenberg uh, reluctantly agreed to do it another year. Year, I think uh, only a week ago. Right? Yeah, he just uh, uh, said he'll stay on. Yeah, 
Yes, and what is the consequence of, of Mark Rutte uh, stepping out of politics? We have elections in November. Yeah. Uh, if we have a very long um, formation process again, uh, let's say half a year, then uh, we have a new cabinet in May, perhaps June, and then in July, uh, NATO needs a new secretary yeah. general, and he is all of a sudden available <laughs> for that. Yeah. Um, it has to be said that Rutte himself says that he uh, is not interested in that and that he actually is planning to um, um, spend more time uh, on his teaching job, yes. which he has been doing uh, for the past 13 years. Every Monday morning he teaches at a uh, VMBO school in, in, in The Hague, uh, right before he goes to the king uh, for his weekly meetings. Um, and he's been doing that ever since. So uh, he really likes that uh, from all I know. So um, there might be... a M might be truth in that as well um, but it's it's no secret that um, a lot of world leaders think Mark Rutte is very qualified for the for the NATO job from what I heard from Petra de Koning of mm. NRC Joe Biden says that Mark Rutte is uh, very qualified for the job who knows um, yeah. I think he, he can do it uh, he has the international experience uh, he might be available in the year um, but I don't think that was that was part of his endgame or anything no i don't think that was his primary motivation i think i don't he's no. never come across as the kind of lead one of these leaders you know who always want to be world king or wanted to have had huge great grand scaling ambitions i think he i think he likes being prime minister of the netherlands because you know he knows the setup here he knows how his things work he knows yeah. the people he knows the contacts and yeah he, he, he's very comfortable it's his comfort zone and i think if you uh, i think he certainly he would be uh, a very strong contender if he decided to throw his hat into the ring for something like nato but the, the, i think if he really wants to top european job he'd have it by now i mean enough yeah. opportunities have come up in the past i think when van der leyen was uh, became lead, uh, head of the european commission that job was which was talked about as a candidate there and he never even put himself forward he was never uh, formally a contender and he certainly if he'd wanted to be you know, he certainly would have been uh, seriously considered. So I think, but on the other hand, if the job comes up and Rutter is uh, is put forward by somebody, or he's he's or he's pushed into applying because uh, his you know other world leaders um, want him to be um, uh, see it's a good job for him, then may maybe he can be persuaded. Uh, you know, because I think he does have this uh, um, uh, this kind of sense of uh, uh, duty to people and. I think certainly one of the more interesting reactions to Rutter's uh, resignation came from uh, the MH17 families, uh, who yeah. had nothing but praise for him. And I think Rutter's very good at representing people. I think that's always been his motivation, really. And uh, I think even you see on things like MH17 and during the pandemic uh, that uh, uh, tr trying to make things work for people uh, is, uh, is his strong point, whether it's families of uh, plane crash or top executives at Unilever he's uh, <laughs> you know he represents a broad spectrum you can make of that what you will but I don't think kind of wanting to be a great world leader and uh, and, and, and set the world to rights um, and uh, make things uh, uh, happen in his uh, in, or impose his ideology on the world has ever been part of his motivation no uh, he always said that uh, if you have vision you should go to the uh, eye doctor yes yeah, yeah you could go his, to the, the optician uh, yeah optician yeah, yeah that's his uh, uh, he does have a lot of uh, um, uh, respect on the international stage yeah. he is uh, one of the longest serving leaders in the european union after victor orban um, he is a voice to 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 reckon with and um it is in the in, in the an, in, in the analysis I, I read this is also 
uh, worrying a lot of people that you know now we are no longer taken seriously on the on the international stage. What are we going to do without Ritte? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he is very comfortable uh, in Brussels. Uh, uh, he has grown very comfortable in Brussels over the years, and uh, that also um, uh, makes people think that he is qualified for a job at NATO, for example. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But what announced resignation on Monday? How did the various uh, parties, particularly the opposition parties, respond to it? Well, he was no longer a threat, so they yeah. co- didn't need to uh, to call him names and yeah. to say that he is uh, ruining the country and that he is, uh, uh, yeah, and and whatnot. All of a sudden, everyone was very enthusiastic uh, about him, and they were full of praise mm. and full of respect with him, and they thanked him for his long service, um, thirteen years, as uh, as we already mentioned. Um, so yeah, that was an extremely uh yeah huge contrast uh between uh the opposition parties who announced on sunday so the day before the debate that they were going to uh, table a motion of no confidence yeah. directed at mark rutte because they sort of adopted the analysis we just talked about it was a calculated move uh, let the cabinet fall and have a good um uh, starting position in the in the campaign and in the in the in the election um and jesse klaver and uh, archie kuiker the leaders of GroenLinks and pvda they announced in at Newsur that they were going to table a motion of no confidence because he, Rutte, they said, has put his own interest before the interest of the country. Mm. So he uh, should go immediately and not um, uh, remain as a caretaker prime minister. And that motion was interesting. It was uh, for sure supported by the entire opposition and it only needed the support of one or two uh, coalition members actually to uh, to pass, um, and it was uncertain if D66 or ChristenUnie would uh, would al- would uh, uh, w- would vote in favor of it. Uh, some said that they would definitely not because it was a joint decision to uh, pull the plug out of the cabinet. But there was a level of uncertainty, and if this motion was accepted, Margrethe needed to go immediately. Yeah, and. Um, when Rutte announced at the start of the debate that he was leaving politics, he extended his tenure of <laughs> prime minister from a couple of hours yeah. to almost a year. Probably, in yes. Yeah. 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, and that was also, again, a lot of theories by people. This was also a calculated risk because he knew that it was unlikely that he was going to survive this motion. So now, you know, take the initiatives, announce your departure, and you can stay on for at least a year, probably at least a year. Yeah. That might have been his line of reasoning. That might reasoning. be possible explanation, yeah, but, it would, but, but then that also shows that the, the original calculated risk had backfired because yeah. you know, the, original, <laughs> the original plan uh, was, was to lead his party into a new election and have a fifth term as prime minister. And clearly that was now suddenly he was, he'd, he'd had to, and he said on Friday that uh, he, he felt inclined to, you know, he said he still felt the drive and the incentive to lead the party again. And uh, by Monday morning, he'd, uh, uh, did, he was standing up in Parliament and saying that he was going to quit politics altogether, not just uh, quit as prime minister. So yes, he he has he's gotten this question for the past years. Uh, yeah. Are you going to stand for re-election? And his 
standard answer was always I still have if you ask I still have to decide but if you ask me now mm. I'm inclined to say yes because I still have the energy and the ideas and that was what he repeated on Friday uh, again um, but apparently he had made the decision on Saturday morning not to stand for re-election he informed the party leadership uh, Saturday afternoon they came uh, together for a meeting on Sunday and on Monday he announced it to the world and mm. uh, even his own MPs were left in the dark for uh, 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 apparently so it was a huge surprise for everyone yeah yeah there's, there's also I mean there, there's still criticism from uh, some of the opposition parties uh, particularly parties like the the Partei for the Deal and uh, the, the Animal Rights Party that um, Rutte had to, to created a kind of a, a, a fictional crisis uh, on asylum uh, which actually was uh, an, an, an eminently uh, resolvable issue uh, because the actual asylum numbers are, are not as uh, enormous as the Fefe Day keep uh, implying that they are. Um, but he, he kind of forced a crisis um, on, on this issue uh, for, for, for electoral reasons. Um, and in doing so, of course, uh, all of the other uh, issues that uh, are unresolved uh, during this uh, cabinet, things like the nitrogen crisis, uh, the shortage of housing, um, and uh, the, the, co the ongoing uh, cost of living uh, issues uh, are also now unresolved. Uh, so he's really just left the country yeah. in the lurch. Um, yeah. yeah. And at the same time, they are keep supporting motions of no confidence against them, <laughs> saying that they need to go. So yeah, that's a little bit of uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, an interesting uh, uh, point of view to take uh, after you've uh, asked him to leave so many times. Yeah. Um, just going back to this sort of calculated move that he apparently had made on Friday, do we really think that this, an, uh, an, uh, is, uh, now I come to think of it, is not, would that have been a serious plan? Because who wants to step into a coalition with Margaret right now? Uh, uh, the coalition, other coalition parties will probably not feel inclined to do so yeah. after what has happened uh, uh, in, in, on Friday. Um, the BBB, Caroline van der Plas, has repeatedly said that she will not step into a coalition with the VVD as long as Rutte st stays on. Um, the parties on the far left yeah hate him mm -hmm. <laughs> the party yeah. on the right hate him too yeah. so yeah what what was his plan here um i don't think it is i think it is actually part of his reasoning uh on on saturday morning that yeah he was uh very unlikely to become prime minister again so yeah that was uh he he better just uh resign now and uh, uh, avoid a humiliating um, yeah formation yeah. after the uh, after the election yeah I think as ever uh, the, the, these um, uh, complicated convoluted plans that people uh, ascribe to politicians uh, t tend to fall apart when yeah. you look at them uh, closer and I think uh, people aren't on the whole playing four-dimensional chess and which was kind of he was winging it to a certain extent but also the circumstances had forced it upon him I mean because I think he'd, he'd promised a faith a day party that he would resolve this issue and he would get migration numbers down so that was a promise he was committed to but he also had coalition partners uh, that he'd already um, uh, done a deal with back last year to um, uh, to, to limit um, uh, uh, to, to, to put a temporary stop to family unification that had fallen apart because the courts threw it out so it was actually the, yeah. you know, the, the court you know, courts actually looked at this uh, law when it was applied in practice and said that's uh, not compatible with Dutch and European law so because of that he had to go and seek a new deal and his coalition partners weren't prepared to do it so on the other hand he made a promise to his party to get tough on migration which he couldn't keep and his party had said uh, that had threatened quite firmly um, I mean first 
Palace will remember back in November they threatened not to vote to, to vote against the, um, uh, the, uh, the, the, the the spreading law they didn't like, which is Eric van der Berg's um, plan to uh, force local authorities to accept asylum seekers so he could disperse them around the country and avoid the terrible scenes that we saw at Tower Apple Reception Centre back last November. Uh, hmm. So, so that they so that they'd really shown their teeth and they shown they were prepared to vote against it if necessary. So that upped the stakes. But the coalition partners have stood firm and said we are not budging again on family reunification. So he was forced into a corner, and the only thing he could, the only option left to him then was to pull the plug on the cabinet. I don't think he thought ahead beyond that. I think he just thought that's just, this is a decision I have to make, and I'll accept the consequences. And the consequence is that he's had to step down as uh, or announce he's going to step down as prime minister. Yes, and uh, so Mark Rutte resigned on Monday. This wasn't the only resignation we saw hmm. on Monday, wasn't it? No. No, we've, we've had a kind of a, a rash of uh, resignations, actually. Everyone's been yes. yeah, <laughs> running away. I don't, I don't know. You could uh, have a metaphor with rats and sinking ships. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so he resigned. Um, Before he resigned, of course, um, uh, the, we've almost forgotten already that the foreign affairs minister and the leader of the Christian Democrats, the CDA, Vodka Hoekstra, also said he was going to, not going to uh, be, uh, lead the party into the election. Yeah, uh, he's, he's, he, he's now in kind of Farrah Fawcett have. role. You know, Farrah Fawcett died on the same day as Michael Jackson, just before, ah. <laughs> a couple of hours before, and then <laughs> everyone forgot about it. So yeah, Volker yes. Hoekstra, everyone was talking, I remember, because it was going, leading up to Ritter's speech, all the media were excitedly talking about who's going to be the next CDR leader. And of course, that whole conversation fell flat immediately as soon as Ritter started talking. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, at the same time, Hugo de Jonge had said that he wouldn't uh, lead the party in the election, so that was another resignation. Yeah, so that means there'll um, be lots of votes for, for Hugo de Jonge in the next CDR election, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> indeed. And also Peter Heerma, uh, who is the uh, CDA faction leader in the Tweede Kamer. I hear you thinking, who? Yeah. We don't know either. Uh, he is uh, yeah, one of the most gray, colorless <laughs> political figures, I think, uh, who, who apparently did a lot of uh, good work behind the scenes, but he isn't the hmm. charismatic leader. You no, he didn't, uh, but I think he came up with some of the best analysis over the weekend, actually. I mean, he was on News on Friday night saying that uh, Rutte had been reckless in yep. forcing this uh, decision on the climate. And coming from a coalition party, that was very harsh criticism. And yes. then again on Monday, he said uh, he gave, I thought, was one of the most balanced assessments of the Rutter period where he said on the one hand he's done good service for the country but on the other hand the, the, the country is you know is in a real is in a real state in some ways and it's become very bureaucratic and technocratic things like the child benefits affair have shown you know how faceless um, and fragmented uh, the Dutch system has become under Rutter so I think that was uh, really interesting to hear from a party that were most through most of Rutter's period uh, a partner and a supporter. Yes, nine out of the thirteen years yeah, now. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah so uh, he resigned as well, and uh, Hoekstra and the Jonge were were uh, excellent on the internet on Monday. Uh, uh, the Hugo de Jonge tweeted that uh, can anyone? I, I've sent my third goodbye message now <laughs> this morning. Can everyone stop resigning, please? Yeah. And um, uh, Hoekstra also. Uh, posted this meme of uh, of Tintin, right? Tintin uh, and uh, and Captain Haddock. Oh, Captain Haddock, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, uh, what a week, huh? <laughs> Captain, it's only Monday. Yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, there was uh, some excellent memeing by, <laughs> uh, by the cabinet ministers. Um, 
so shall we just take a look at what's going to happen now until yeah. until the elections because uh because people will be scratching their heads maybe who don't follow dutch politics as closely saying you know oh margaret has resigned but he's going to be prime minister for another year how's that going to yeah. work <laughs> <laughs> indeed yeah well resignation by the cabinet means that uh uh, you know, Rutte went to the king, by the way, in his old saab. Yes, that was, also oh, that, that, that was a great sort of moment on Sunday as well, wasn't it? That he drove himself in his battered up old saab uh, <laughs> yes. up to the king's palace. He did palace. wash it, yeah. though, because it wasn't covered in bird shit like the last time. <laughs> um, he went to the palace uh, uh, to offer the, the cabinet's resignation. And the king officially takes that into consideration. Yeah. And the king says, I give you uh, the um, ass- uh, assignment, basically, to keep the country running until there is a uh, successor ready and as we know from the past that can take a very long time first we need elections then we have a new um, composition of the Tweede Kamer and the political parties have to negotiate a a coalition which can lean on the majority in the Tweede Kamer and that Mm -hmm. can take a long time um, as we as we've seen in the past uh, 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 in the past formations Um, and um, after all of that is is done and ready and there is a new cabinet ready to take over at that moment the king says i accept the resignation of the cabinet um so we can have a uh, continuation of government yeah um and that means that in the meantime the whole cabinet uh, stays on they are caretaker they can't introduce new legislation or anything they're just watching the shop isn't it yeah minding the shop yeah yeah yeah. and of course the the uh, uh, the MPs for the parliament then actually have to draw up a list of what are called controversial topics that the government is not allowed to introduce legislation on although parliament can still pass laws on anything right if they can get a makeshift coalition together but the government is not allowed to introduce legislation on anything controversial Yes, yeah. so that means a lot of uh, hard work by uh, by Parliament because usually bills are drawn up by the cabinet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that is uh, that is in a nutshell uh, wh- 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 why Rutte is uh, still staying on for at least a year, we think, uh, because depending on how complicated the election results are we can either have a very fast formation if there are only two parties mm-hmm. for example necessary for a coalition but it is more likely that this will be four or five and uh, how many uh, uh, people who have ever sat in a dutch meeting knows that uh, the more voices there are around the table the longer a meeting yeah. will get and that's uh, no difference yeah. for it on the meeting and the more miniature biscuits you consume and yes that, yeah. so yeah so, so that brings us on to uh, yeah what the opinion polls say so how how, yeah, how do the parties stand at the moment and how might this election play out i think the current polls are useless mm. why because um BBB stands very high, but they, uh, you know, have their uh, support base thanks to their anti-government, anti-Rutte message. Rutte is gone. What are these people now going to uh, do? They don't have to vote for BBB anymore because uh, they can choose something else. Uh, The VVD is currently also very high. They they also have 25 seats, just as BBB in the poll of polls. Um, But they enjoy the prime minister bonus. A lot of people say they vote for the VVD because of Mark Rutte. Mark Rutte is gone. They need a new leadership election. what 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 is going to uh, what is what what will be the outcome of that? Yeah. Um, so we still have also what is it four three months four months to go until the election. So everything can change. Um, so I think a lot of, lot can happen. Um, uh, VVD needs a leadership election. 
D66 probably as well because I can't see Kaar staying. She no. doesn't really She get dropped a lot of hints, I think, that she doesn't really like the job. And her family have also said that they're worried about her personal safety. She puts her she, she takes a huge amount of flack from uh, other parties and often quite personal flack from Kit Villas with his terrible sexist comments. And uh, I think she feels like she's had enough. So very understandable if she yeah. doesn't want to stand for re-election, but that means Sesestor also needs to find a new leader. Yeah. Um, CDA, of course, the Christian Democrats. Uh, we also have the, had the announcement of PvdA and GroenLinks, who want to um, join forces in the election, yeah. want to have a single candidate list. They also want um, one party uh, manifesto. Uh, so that also means that they need to find a leader of their new combined party. So we have a lot of leadership elections yeah. and uh, people vote for the leader of the party usually. Um, do we trust him or her? Do we like him? Is he is he a funny guy that also... Uh, yeah, yeah, is he someone we can important? relate to? Is he one of us kind of thing? Yeah, could, could, you, yes. see him, could, could you see him down the pub in the, in the cafe? Is always such a... Or in the old sap, yeah. you know, yeah. whatever. Um, so that uh, all, all these questions need to be resolved until we can... Yeah, I can yeah and with so many new faces. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, it, it is going to be interesting to see. If you think that the FFD and the BBB are, are going to fall in the polls towards the election, which I can perfectly well see, which parties might move up uh, and benefit from their decline? I really don't know. No, it's really hard to predict, <laughs> isn't it? It really is, yes. In general, I think in the last few elections, we've seen the left parties on a downward uh, trajectory. We've seen the, the combined votes for SP, PFDA and Kuhn Links have declined, although there's been some shift uh, among those parties. So do we think there's been more of a shift again towards uh, the right? You see a lot of congestion on that side as well, though it's quite fragmented. You have Geert Wilders, who isn't doing as well as he maybe he was doing one election ago. Yeah, uh, and Twintich have emerged. Uh, Form for Democratie have dramatically risen and even more dramatically collapsed. Where might that vote break? Yeah, a lot of parties, of course, enjoy their support base because they are anti-government, anti-Rutte. Rutte is gone now, so they need to find a new story to tell to, to attract voters, of course. Um, Rutte is gone and everything is open. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty what will happen. Yeah. And I think um, it's an open ending. And uh, yeah, we really going to have to wait and see what, what the effects will be. Yeah. Um, it's it, definitely Rutte's resignation and his announcement of his departure from politics has some seismic consequences for the uh, Dutch political landscape. Yeah, it and, is definitely uh, if you feel like it's, uh, yeah, it's a change of the guard, it's, it's a new era in Dutch politics, yeah. yeah. I'd be interested to see the Kuhn-Links uh, PVDA combination, I think, held up quite well during the provincial elections. Uh, perhaps they, they didn't really gain huge numbers of seats, but they did become the, the second largest group in the Senate uh, in the end, yeah. and their vote kind of held up, whereas many other parties uh, declined. On the other hand, you think uh, an opposition party should gain during midterm elections. So perhaps it'd be interesting to see if that formula works for them again during this election. because Yeah, because that would mean that they will go from from two small parties to one big party yeah. so yeah that should give them a lot of uh, influence more than two separate parties yeah and then they are a force to reckon with yeah. so that might be a, sl a smart uh, smart move um even if they don't grow in 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 seed numbers they would still be i think the third or the second largest party in the Tweede Kamer. So yeah, that is probably a smart move to do so. But still, just yeah. looking at the polls right now, it's it remains very difficult to form a, a new coalition. Yeah. And of course, Rutte's big objection to having Koenings and PvdA in the coalition last time was he didn't want five party 
employees, right? So if they yeah. form a combined faction, then that takes care of that objection. So perhaps it yes. makes them more viable in that sense as well. I was kind of reading an analysis, uh, and I'm not ashamed to say it, uh, by Maurice de Hont, who I think uh, his, <laughs> for, for all the reservations we have about his polls, I think often he's good at pinpointing what questions to ask. I think he's sort of said that the issues in, in this election were going to be, first of all, who wins these leadership contests, who leads the Fefe Day particularly into the election. Also, uh, whether the Khunlinks PFDR faction is uh, uh, appeals to voters, and again, who's the leader of that party? But also, crucially, the the Peter Omzicht question. So we should talk yep. about, I think, about the Peter Omzicht question. I suppose first of all, we should explain to people who Peter Omzicht is, and also why uh, he's such a pivotal figure potentially in this election. Do we have another forty-five <laughs> minutes, Gordon? Not, no. Um, uh, yeah, Peter Omzicht is this. Independent MP, he, he used to be an MP for the CDR, of course. He split from, from that party uh, because of the uh, Functie Elders gate, uh, where in the last formation it, uh, uh, it was revealed that uh, his position was being uh, discussed uh, in the formation process. Uh, it's uh, too long to, to dive into. It's a hugely long uh, story, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, but um, the two um, negotiators, the initial stage negotiators, the scouts almost, who canvass support from the various parties for potential coalitions, um, had been discussing Peter Omzicht's position and whether he should be made a minister in the government, uh, because he was a real thorn in the side of his own party in the coalition when he was a member of parliament, because as you say, he was a very independent-minded member of parliament, and he was instrumental in exposing the childcare benefit scandal, which of course is the issue that Rutter's last cabinet resigned over. So not just Rutter, but his own party leader, Wopke Hoekstra, I think were keen to find a role for Peter Omzicht, where he wasn't going to cause so much trouble for the government, and uh, because Dutch politicians are very protective of the separation of powers and not having the government interfering in the independence of MPs, uh, that was seen as a thing that was absolutely not done, and the negotiators had to resign. So Peter Omzicht uh, split off, he went on as an independent MP, and he is uh, one of the more vocal critics of Mark Rutte and his cabinet, and he's very popular. Yeah, he has a huge personal following, doesn't he? This is important. Yeah. yeah. He is, he is widely respected, but he doesn't like party politics. Yeah. And the question is, what is he going to do now? Uh, the cabinet has fallen, elections are coming up. How is he going to ensure that he is re-elected? He uh, hasn't founded a new political party, so he can't participate in the election with that. He might run on a candidate list with only himself on it yes that's possible but that would attract so many votes that he might win 20 seats or something but how many (laughs) did Maurice de Hunt pull for him he said I think uh, I think more than 30 didn't he He said uh, something like that even more than that okay well what happens to these other 29 seats well they are distributed among the other parties you know proportionally to the uh, outcome of the election so that's not ideal he could also join on an already existing candidate list, for example, the Baby Bay. A lot of people are suggesting that he might uh, might do that. Uh, but that means that he will also win a lot of seats personally, and those seats will go to the Baby Bay party. Yeah. Which is also not ideal because they have nothing to do with Peter Onser. He's an independent MP. Yeah. So, yeah, what he's going to do, that's a mystery. Um, I don't think there is all these options I have f- uh, very clear downsides, but... 
uh, he might also resign from politics as well. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> it seems to be the fashion at the moment. But whether you know, if he joins the BBB, then that will, uh, well, according to Maris Tahon, but I think it's not just him, will give the BBB a huge boost and um, make it much more likely their vote will hold up and they'll become the biggest party because, of course, they'll have two of the most um, prominent political voices in the media on their side, right? I mean, every, yeah. all, all the media seem to love Peter Omzicht and Caroline van der Plas. Caroline van der Plas particularly is on every talk show, every five minutes she seems to invent a time machine where she can flip between television <laughs> studios at uh, the drop of a hat she definitely has the same energy level as Mark Rutte <laughs> yeah, right who, yeah. who also never seems to need any kind of sleep uh, Caroline van der Plas yeah. can tick that box on the prime minister requirement list yeah that is true and Omzicht perhaps is not quite so much a, a talk show uh, contender but he is somebody who is regularly on television I think uh, yeah his views are always sought and he always has something to say on every subject so again is, is a very accomplished mediagenic performer uh, so yeah, yeah i think in terms of the election campaign that would put them in a very strong position because they have these two characters who will get a lot of headlines and a lot of coverage uh, on their team yeah but on the other hand if, if omzicht uh, forms a independent party and either draws up his own list of candidates or just stands as an independent and you need a candidate list and if your list is empty so you don't have uh, the people to to distribute your seats to then then these seats after the election will be re- redistributed right this these yeah. will count as rest zetels yeah yeah, that's also not something you want, of course. That's why the candidate list exists, because yes. you can give the seats to uh, like-minded people. I think finally we should um, take a look at who can replace Mark Rutte as leader of uh, the VVD party. Not necessarily prime minister, that is a different question. Let's first uh, discuss the VVD party. There are a n- number of, of names that are hanging around. One of them is uh, Dylan Jesselgus. She is uh, currently the justice minister. Uh, she is uh, well known. She is uh, popular in the party, at least. So she might be a good uh, contestant, I think. Yeah. And another name, preferred name, I think, by a lot of people is Klaas Dijkhoff, who um, was the faction leader before Sophie Hermans. And he's been justice minister as well, of course. And justice minister too, yeah, of course. But he had said yesterday in a talk show op Ain that uh, he is not available for the VVD leadership. So that's another name we can uh, cross from the list. That's also something that we have uh, read over and over again in the analysis uh, for the past uh, months and years. There's no clear successor for Mark Rutte to lead the VVD party. No, and they've kept on trying to find successors. And uh, for a long time, Dijkhoff was seen as the crown prince, as it were. Um, But then he left... At the last election, I think, uh, to, uh, to to raise his family, he seems to be much happier in that role. Yeah, and Dennis Wiersma was also a name that was suggested. He yeah. is also unavailable because of other reasons. Yes, um, uh, because he resigned in disgrace uh, over the way he dealt with colleagues. So Yes, you need as a party leader someone who is known by the public. Mm. But I don't think a lot of people are well known, except Klaas Dijkhoff. Yeah. So he... I think seemed to be the best candidate, but yeah, he doesn't want. He's ruled himself out already. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that leaves uh, yeah, possibly uh, Dylan Yasilgas. I think it's quite a has a lot of support within the party. Certainly, I think uh, yeah, maybe that's a, right. a more polarizing figure in public, but perhaps uh, certainly somebody who would take a hard line on migration, which I think the Fefe Day 
I think it's almost certain they will go for a, a hard liner on um, uh, on that yep. issue because it's it's played well for them in previous elections and otherwise they're going to lose votes to to the right to Jan and Twintich to Geert Wilders. So yeah, but, but who that's going to be, um, I can't really see it being somebody like Sophie Hermans. I think she's seen no. too much of a, as a insider in the Hague who's not really like a, a strong campaigner on the yeah. TV debates. It, it, it's hard to know who it could be. Then there are politicians who might have been contenders at the last election, the previous one. I think someone like Fred Taven, but I think their time has gone. Really, I think their opportunities yeah. passed. I don't think we're going to see them coming back either. Edith Schippers, former uh, health ministry. Edith Schippers has been raised as well, but I think again, she was there leader in the senate wasn't she and she's yeah. she's very close and to she was to a bit disappointing in in debates yeah. so she has she is uh, she's also ruled out yeah and then another strategy could be putting forward an entirely new person you know saying that you know this is the end of an era Makrut is gone let's have a fresh start yeah. and um, another name that's called very often is Vincent Karamans yeah. he's currently an alderman in Rotterdam and he is uh, he's a young man he has a fresh face yeah. so that's perhaps another strategy they can go for yeah, he did an extraordinary party political broadcast for the municipal elections a few years ago uh, where he ended yes, it with a section a where he was he, he was bare chested on a horse <laughs> This comes back to your job title, of course, because you've been going through a lot of these old party political broadcasts. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've completely forgot about the, the job titles now. I come it to did, think of yeah. It. Yes. And of course, there's a little intriguing little bit of uh, side theatre during Ritter's resignation on Monday because one of the people in the public gallery was his old rival, Rita Fadonk, who, of course, yes. lost the last leadership contest for the Fefe Days 17 whole years ago. Yes, and speaking of, uh, of Peter Omzig, the whole reason he was apparently discussed in the formation process was that there was a real chance that as the number two on the CDA candidate list he would win more votes than number one mm. Bob Hoekstra, which could ultimately lead to a lot of instability of the party and we had seen that before of course because when Mark Rutte uh, won the VVD leadership election from mm. Rita Verdonk, she won as the number two more votes than Mark Rutte, an unprecedented event and when that happened everyone thought, oh this is the end of Mark well, yeah. nothing is certain in Dutch politics because uh, 17 years later, he is the longest serving prime minister in Dutch history. Yeah. Because it was the end of Rita Verdonk because she went on to form her own party, Trots op Nederland, ran a disastrous election video and got no votes or, or got yes. no seats at uh, the subsequent election. Even though she was initially polled to have 30 seats. So yes, yes a, lot, a lot of things can happen. Uh, nothing is certain in Dutch politics. Yeah. So uh, BBB and Peter Omtzigt don't count your blessings. Uh, no. Because of based on polls, because uh, it, it might be that in uh, 17 years you will be sitting in the public gallery uh, <laughs> watching your rival uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> offer his or her resignation. Yeah, so yeah, Dutch voters are notoriously fickle, and I think the election campaigns can take unexpected turns and votes can shift very quickly once campaigns Definitely. get going. Yes. So that I think is a good point at which I think to wrap it up yeah. and uh, say that we will continue to keep you abreast of all developments in this uh, exciting election campaign although of course it won't start because they have a summer break now and then they have a budget and then it looks as if the date of the election has been penciled in for sometime in the second half of November so the campaign yeah. won't start until October that's not right Gordon the campaigns have already started well you know what I mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's all we have for you uh, on this special extra edition of the Dutch News Podcast. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. And if you'd like to support us, uh, please consider leaving us a rating on SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can become a sponsor on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl. 
Thanks again to uh, Paul Peters. I hope that really is for the last time before the summer break, um, or I really will have to inflict some grievous bodily harm somewhere. Uh, and uh, the only scenario <laughs> I can think of this, uh, that we need to come back for uh, another uh, special episode is when you stab Margarita <laughs> with the bicycle. <laughs> yes, uh, exactly. Yeah. Key. So we'll keep you posted on that and other political uh, developments. The, the, the plus side is that everything that could have happened happened in the past four days. Yes. So uh, I think we are we are safe and we can uh, enjoy our summer summer holiday days right now i think we enjoy a nice relaxing summer and come back yes. uh, at the end of august and of course in the meantime we will have for patrons only the summer special edition so uh, if you want to listen to that uh, get onto patreon and become a sponsor if you're not already we mm. promise it will not be about uh, uh, margaret or Maybe. anything political well might be a little bit mm-hmm.